Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. This is an encore. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with my co-host and co-pilot, Leanne Whippen, and the usual suspects hanging around the studios at Turn It, Don't Burn It here in Portland. And on the USA Radio Network, we'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended. You can check them out online at PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com. Well, our guest today is an icon. Uh... I don't know if there's a better word that describes Chris Lilly from Big Bob Gibson's Barbecue down in Alabama. Chris is a Hall of Famer, 17-time uh, multi-universe champion. He's got all kinds of credentials, and we'll hit on some of those as we go through the show. But, Chris, welcome. I Absolutely good to be here. Thanks for the invitation to talk barbecue and what else Whatever else we want to talk about today. Well, yeah. we'll, get, we'll get you on the golf show one of these days, too, and then we'll really tear into it. How's that? <laughs> Let's do that. So <clears throat> this is kind of a, a standard, typical question, but how did you get started? Where did you start really devoting time and efforts and learning about barbecue to get where you are today? You know, I've always something I've always loved to cook. And, you know, that comes down through my mother and my grandmothers and uh, really spending the time in the kitchen with them. So I love food, love to cook. But uh, it wasn't till I graduated college, uh, I'd met my wife in college. Just so happens uh, her great grandfather was Big Bob Gibson, who started a restaurant oh, in 1925. So uh, they have a huge tradition of barbecue. Um, as a matter of fact, when my father went to college, he lived in Memphis and uh, he went to Georgia Tech. And when he went from Memphis to Georgia Tech, he always stopped in Decatur, Alabama to stop at Big Bob Gibson Barbecue to eat uh, barbecue and visit with Big Bob. So it's it was sort of neat. I met his uh, his uh, great granddaughter, I guess, in college. And um, yeah, didn't know anything about barbecue then, but met her. Uh I uh, got offered a job to come to Decatur, learn the barbecue business, and the rest is history. And when you first got there, were you like slogging out the pits and stuff, or did you did he give you a <laughs> knife and say, go for it? It's, it's very interesting in that, you know, I came to Decatur to learn the barbecue business. Uh, we were, uh, he was wanting, uh, my father-in-law, Don, he was wanting to do another location here in Decatur. So basically, he wanted to teach me a, biz, a business and then uh, jump into the management and, and, and run in the other restaurant. But you can't, uh, it's the first thing I figured out, you can't run a barbecue restaurant without knowing how to cook barbecue. So started. I started in the pit room. I was there at 6 a.m. or 5.30, 6 a.m. every morning uh, cooking. And it wasn't until I worked out the cooking part of my shift, then I would go into and learn the management and the cash register systems and, and you know, how to handle people on the other side. So, uh, so yeah, I learned in the pit room. And to this day, that's my favorite place to be in the barbecue restaurant, in the pit room, actually cooking. There you go. 
I mean, that's kind of really earning your uh, chops, so to speak. No pun intended there. It's really good. What transitioned you then into competition? So I started uh, full-time barbecue with Big Bob Gibson in end of 91, 92, around that time. And I did my first competition in 97. So there were a lot of years there where I was doing nothing but cooking barbecue and learning uh, how to cook barbecue. As far as competitions go, uh, it started out as a way to get our name out. We got a uh, barbecue trailer uh, with some cookers on it, and there's a lot of industry around Decatur. So we wanted a way to get our name out, let people know, hey, we can do company picnics and we can cater on site and things like that. Uh, so we entered a contest uh, in Huntsville, Alabama, just right up the road to just let the big companies know that we can get out and do this. Um, and then we sort of uh, did well in the competition and got hooked. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> Have you gone up against Chris, Leah? Um, you know what? I don't think I've been in a direct contest because he does mm. Memphis in May. Maybe we've been at the Royal at the same time, but, you know, that's so big. So it's hard to say if we cross paths. So I don't I don't thank God I don't remember. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We. Uh, we have been cooking the Royal every year since, except I missed one Royal with my son's wedding, but we've been cooking the Royal every year since I think 99 or I think yeah. or 2099, I believe was our, our first year at the Royal. So, wow. so yeah, my, my first Royal was 96. Oh boy. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> well, you were four, so it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, you tend to, um, Across both Memphis and May and KCBS, which it's hard to master, I think, both circuits because Memphis and May is more of, you know, on site and that sort of thing. Uh, but you've definitely ruled the world. Uh, are you going to compete this year in Memphis and May? We will compete in Memphis. We'll do both Memphis and May and American Royal. That's the only two contests that I have on my slate this year. Well, Great. when you're a 17 time world champion and all that, you don't have to go through the preliminaries very much. You can just go <laughs> and do your thing. Chris, no, what? it's go ahead. Go no, right no, ahead. no, no, no. Go ahead, please. No, it's still fun for me as, as I do to do it in moderation. I'm, I'm juggling contests with a lot of other balls between the restaurant and family and then the corporate stuff that I do on the road. So, uh, so yeah, two's a good number for me. Any more than that? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Well, like I told, told you when we were off the air, I just did this trade show and I hadn't done a trade show in several years. And today I'm feeling the effects of, you know, four or five days on my feet on concrete like that. So I, I guess I better get in better shape for that. I don't know. It's, uh, it can wear on you. What makes uh, Chris Lilly's barbecue different from everybody else's? I know that's a pretty broad question. We'll get more into specifics in later segments. But overall, what makes yours different? Um, that's an interesting question. I definitely would say that the background and the generations before me that sort of built the platform that I'm sta standing on. So, you know, Don McLemore and his children and then my father-in-law and that generation. So uh, with mine, which is sort of a fourth generation, uh, you know, I had a lot of people barbecuing before me uh, then that learned what to do, what not to do. So my flavor profiles and um, and what I do is sort of built off that pl platform. So those are the people that had the most influence on me. Beyond that, you know, I I think what helps me is 
is I try not to go out and copy and mimic other people that are doing fantastic jobs out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I try to use the flavor and the experiences that I've had in my travel to dictate where I go with, uh, with techniques and flavors that I put into my barbecue. So uh, I'm, I'm all the time learning. I'm all the time pushing, um, but I'm never trying to copy if that makes any sense. Sure. It definitely does because your white sauce is an original. I, I, I just think that that set you apart and you've made quite a history over that. How did that come about the white sauce? I'm sure you get asked that a million times. <laughs> we, we really do, but really the white sauce was one of big Bob Gibson's original sauces back in 1925. Wow. So it's interesting. He cooked whole chickens and whole pork shoulders. And he had a vinegar-based sop mop. I would compare it more, most closely to an Eastern North Carolina uh, vinegar-based sauce. Mm-hmm. Very, very simple ingredients, you know, vinegar and lemon juice and cayenne pepper and salt and just a couple more things. That's about it. That's all you need. And then he did a white barbecue sauce that he served with his whole chickens. Um, he started doing that in the early 20s when he was cooking around Decatur, uh, you know, in his backyard and then do catering jobs before he even opened up a restaurant. And that was one of his sauces. Uh, You know, it was definitely a North Alabama sauce. And the only place you would ever, you know, see it is when you came to Decatur or when you came to North Alabama when other people started using it. I guess that's what... That's the biggest, what I think is the biggest feather in my cap. And what I'm most proud of is I took a lot of what was already being done in Decatur and, uh, you know, broadcasted it out. Now I see white sauce. You know, I've seen it in California, New York and Miami. I've seen it in Ireland. I've seen it in Australia. I've seen barbecue white sauce all over the world. And just knowing that the original recipe came right here from, uh, you know, Big Bob Gibson in Decatur, Alabama, it's really something special. Mm-hmm. We even have it in Portland. There's a, I, now I've never tasted it up here, but there's over on the west side of Portland, there's a barbecue joint that, that claims to have a great white sauce. I will have to try it one of these days, but let me know, Jeff. I will. <laughs> I will. I will. Dude, when you get Yankees coming down there like me, do they ever walk in and go, is that gravy? Has anybody ever said that? <laughs> uh, most of the time is uh, they think it's like ranch dressing or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's you get a lot of people wondering what white barbecue sauce is. And it's, it's pretty cool in North Alabama. Um, that's what color barbecue sauce is. It's white. So mm-hmm. maybe it's them trying to learn uh, what red barbecue sauces are when they travel out <laughs> of North Alabama. I thought it was very interesting. I was at a barbecue contest this Saturday and there was a sauce contest and somebody turned in white sauce and I was giving the judges, you know, telling them, you know, how to judge sauces. And I said, if you see something that's yellow, like a mustard sauce, you know, don't judge it down because it's yellow. I didn't ever thought there'd be a white sauce. <laughs> and there it was. That's, that's funny because, and you mentioned Memphis and May competition. Uh, so Memphis and May, you can, you're, you're, the competition, you can turn your meat in and separate on the side, you can turn in up to two sauces. So you can turn in your barbecue and your sauce. And we were really, really successful year after year at Memphis. And, um, and you had a lot of people uh, turning in white sauce with their competition plates, trying to 
think the judges think that it was big. It was you. <laughs> and I have to this day, I've never turned in white sauce with. My, Isn't with, that funny? <laughs> in, in a competition like that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back with Chris Lilly, um, multiverse winner of national and world titles. Uh, he's the head guy down there. Um, we're going to talk more about that at Big Bob Gibson in Decatur, Alabama, right after this. You're listening to Barbecue Nation on the USA Radio Network. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. This is an encore. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT along with Leanne Whippen. Um, if you want to find out more about the show or where you can hear it and all that, just go to barbecuenationjt.com. You can find us both on Facebook and Twitter. And well, we've got a new guy starting tomorrow afternoon, Leanne, for the show with all the social media platforms. We have 30. I hope he's like 12. <laughs> He's, These he's young 15. kids. He's 15 <laughs> to tell you that. So he's going to handle that. Anyway, we're talking with Chris Lilly from Big Bob Gibson's fame there. So, Chris, this is a question I ask some people, but I want to ask you because of, you know, your provenance in, in the world of barbecue. But do you think sometimes some of the competitors try a little too hard with certain things? Um I've had people on the show that say, you know, I season this and I do that. And uh, one of my favorite analogies is, you know, they use an eighth of a teaspoon of cumin in their rub or something. And I'm like, well, what does that eighth of a teaspoon do? You know, um, and this isn't being critical, but you are such a notable barbecue icon. Maybe you could give them some words of advice. Gosh, that's a broad question. (laughs) It is. Um, yes, there's a lot of people out there trying too hard. And the, the biggest problem I see is, uh, and, you know, we go back to trying to mimic people or copy people or do what's winning is the big thing. And they hear, you know, this person is using this dry rub and this sauce, and then another person's using this injection and this dry rub and this other sauce. A lot of people try to make it too complicated in that they take everything they've ever heard that works and try to roll it up into one bundle and turn it to see how it does. Um, you know, you might get lucky, but for the most part, if you do something like that, it's, you know, it's going to be a disaster. Um, you know, it, it all goes back to taste, you know, without a doubt. You've got to learn how to cook your barbecue, uh, you know, before you flavor it. So definitely once you get to the get to where you can cook it right and pull it right and hold it right uh, till it's perfect tenderness, uh, then you can really start working uh, on flavor. Uh, competition is different than restaurant barbecue. Mm-hmm. Got a lot more layered flavors. It's a lot richer. It's a lot more complex and that, um, and that you have to wow a judge with one or two bites. And that's when they're going to write their score down. Whereas if you're eating at the restaurants, you want a good plate of barbecue and you finish it off and, you know, mm-hmm. but you've got to, what I do is I take my flavors, my favorite flavors, and I amplify those for the judges. So in one or two bites, bam, it hits their taste buds and just really locks in. 
um, you you can't do too much. I mean, you can do too much very easily and uh, overpower and make it not even taste like barbecue. So I would I would tell the people to pull back a little bit uh, and learn how to cook perfect barbecue and get the tenderness right, and then worry about flavor. Uh, most of the time, a great flavor for you is going to translate well to the judges. Okay, mm-hmm. so something that you're using just because you're you think everybody else is using it, and this is gonna this is gonna make winning barbecue. If you don't like it, don't don't use it, don't do it. So uh, it goes back to practice too. You know, I often tell people uh, the greatness of a pitmaster is directly proportional to the size of their ash pile which means the more they cook, the more they burn, the bigger their ash pile gets. Mm. So there's absolutely no substitution for practice and cooking and tasting. And um, another idea is just to walk around the competitions if that's what you're really interested in and taste around. Ask somebody. If somebody comes up to me and says, Chris, can I taste your pork? I'm probably going to let them taste my pork. You know, uh, you know ask around, taste, uh, you know, and practice without a doubt. Well, you've been doing it a long time and I know that your sauce won um, best sauce on the planet. Uh, do you actually use that sauce in competition? But you say you layer flavors, so I'm sure you're not going to tell me the secrets and you add other things. But uh, is that a, the basis for what you use in competition now? Or do you find that over the years you've had to kind of tweak things? That's the base of my sauce and I'll work mm-hmm. that sauce. Uh, now, depending on what I'm cooking, uh, and what I'm sort of will dictate what I put in with that sauce. Uh, so if I'm cooking ribs, I'll really s- sweeten it up some. And I'll also add some more, uh, you know, flavor profiles, you know, might add a little molasses, a little fruit flavor as well to give another sort of layer of layer of flavor in there. And then uh, a little heat as well. So I'll I'll continually add flavors and build off that. Whereas if I'm cooking pork, I'll want to thin that sauce down a little bit further and um, almost use it as a soaking sauce or a mopping sauce Mm. for use on the pork as well. In addition, I will do a glaze to glaze the outside of my pork. So for pork, I may have two different sauces that Mm -hmm. I use, uh, a soak or a baste and then a glaze as well. For ribs, you know, I'll just do a sweet, sweet glaze for competition. That makes a lot of sense, actually. And I guess the proof is in the pudding or in the ribs, whatever you want to call it, with your record there. But I've noticed I've had lots of people on the show over the years. And, of course, you know, I go out and eat barbecue and try new places wherever I'm traveling to. But sometimes, and I just want to concur what you were saying at the beginning of this segment, Chris, is that it's almost like, you know, they had the meat done properly. But the flavor profile was so overwhelming that you really, the profile really didn't add anything to the meat or to the flavor of the meat. It was just, you had two very distinctive tastes. You know, you had the meat taste, if you could find it, excuse me, but then you had this overwhelming rub and sauce taste. And okay, I'll, I'll confess, I'm kind of a snob about things, especially when it comes to eating good barbecue. But I just wish people would listen to, and they will listen to this show, but I I hope they learn something from that because Mm -hmm. I think those are very sage words, no pun intended for the seasoning, Mm -hmm. you know, like that. When, um, when you started, 
Uh, we've got about a minute left in this segment, Chris. But when you started, were you always using like stick burners and stuff, or did you use something else? So I started in the pit room at Big Bob Gibson's. We right. had huge coffin style brick, uh, you know, pit with the metal doors that raise up, counterweighted, chimneys on both sides. So it's definitely old school. And it was 100% hickory wood that I burned that I still to this day that we burn in the restaurant on those pits. Uh, so, yes, that's what I learned on was a big old fashioned, you know, old school stick burner. We got to take a break and we'll be back with Chris Lilly here on Barbecue Nation right after this. Hey, everybody, it's JT from Barbecue Nation and my friends down at Smoky Bones have come up with a great summer special for you. For a limited time, get the Rib Feast for only $19.99. Now, Rib Feast comes with a house rack, two sides, garlic bread, and a drink, and that's when you actually eat at the restaurant. Smoky Bones, the masters of meat, well, they have about 63 locations from Illinois all the way down to Florida, and they bring you fire-grilled favorites and barbecue platters every day for lunch and dinner. And it's great stuff. So find a Smoky Bones near you and enjoy their summer rib feast special. Only $19.99. That's Smoky Bones, the masters of meat. This is an encore. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the USA Radio Networks. So I'm JT and along with my co-pilot. Uh, she's got, you've got... Check your mail in the next couple of days there, co-pilot. I, I'm sending you something. Is it Venmo? No. <laughs> no, it's not Venmo. <laughs> anyway. We, Didn't think so. <laughs> uh, we'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. They don't do Venmo either. Um, <laughs> find out more about their beef at PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com and also Gunter Wilhelm Knives. Excellent quality and precision in your kitchen. Check them out online at Gunter Wilhelm. We're with Chris Lilly today from Big Bob's Barbecue in Decatur, Alabama. Out of all the things you won, Chris, is there one that really sticks out or means the most for you? Oh, gosh. Uh, Probably so. Um, You know, the first one's always special. The first grand championship at Memphis in May was absolutely wonderful because we, we, we made it. We did what we wanted to do. But I would say the the most special was the um, probably another Memphis and May Grand Championship. Well, it was the first time that my two sons actually well, they were there all along, but they were young when we first started doing it. But the first time they went with me, they did night duty, stayed up all night where I went back to the hotel and they kept the fires burning mm. and all night long. And they actually performed, did the work. And we ended up with grand championship there. So it was probably more special for me to share that with them on the big stage. And, you know, knowing how how proud I was of them, that uh, that was the, probably the best memory. That's awesome. You think big Bob would be proud of you? Mm -hmm. I think, I think he'd he'd, he'd kick back a little bit big (laughs) when he'd get a big smile on his face. And yeah, I think, I think big Bob would be proud. Oh, good. I'm sure he would be. Um, 
you talked about the flavor profiles different in a restaurant between competition and that. What do you do at home? And don't tell me McDonald's. <laughs> so uh yeah if you look on my back porch, i've got so <laughs> you know, we talked about different grills and what what i do in my backyard i've got so many different grills and you know on my back porch uh and i'm walking a thin line with my wife and my daughter <laughs> back there uh, yeah, so me uh, too <laughs> so yeah i have everything from uh tandoors to ceramics to you know stick burners to pellet grills to uh charcoal fire weber kettles and i mean you know it goes on and on rotisseries uh you know it's just it's just sort of crazy but what i do and it's fun for me to get out there and uh, try different things so Interesting thing, the restaurant. So the restaurant's been around since 1925 and the menu is set. It would be absolutely insane for me to go in and start changing up the menu and doing things that that families in Decatur, Alabama grew up on. This mm -hmm. was a barbecue re restaurant. This was their barbecue before it was my barbecue. So for me to go out and all out, change the menu and do things, I'm absolutely not going to do it. Um, I can add some things subtle on the menu, which I've done over the years. But when I cook in my backyard or when I uh, take catering jobs, corporate catering jobs all over the country, it gives me a chance to play and and do things that I can't do in the restaurant mm. or do in the restaurant. So it's probably the favorite part of my job is doing uh, a recipe creation, whether it's for my books or whether it is for you know, consultation with companies, Kings for Charcoal and so on, and a new one, Copper Cane. I'm doing a lot of uh, recipes for them. So so it gives me a chance to play and use my creativity and what I've learned over the years, cooking barbecue or traveling the country or the world, uh, you know, tasting other foods. Uh, that's what I love to do. And that's what I do in my backyard. Awesome. I like that. So you have um, two books, correct? Two books that you've two published? Two books, Big Bob Gibson barbecue book, it's old school barbecue. It's recipes that have come, you know, through the restaurant and stuff like that. It's what I first learned. A lot of low and slow uh, recipes as well. And then the next one is fire and smoke. It's about 50-50 quick grill and, uh, you know, other recipes that I like to do when I'm playing. That's uh -huh. fire and smoke. Is. Yeah, I have both of those. <laughs> are you going to come out with are you going to come out with another book? You know what? I always, when I do a new recipe, I always bank it. I put it in a file on my computer and, and it's, uh, it is getting pretty, that file is getting pretty thick. So, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where, I, and I learned this doing my first book, never sign a book contract without 75 or 80% of the recipes already done because that year goes quick. And when you're yeah. actually to write the book and write, you know, all the content plus do the recipes, it is a, another job unto itself. So I like to bank my recipes first and then commit to doing a cookbook. So all I have to do is write the content and then plug in the recipes. Makes and sense. I'm actually to that point right now. So look at Exciting. him smile. <clears throat> look at him smile there, Leanne. He, mm -hmm, he's got something it. cooking. No, no. I'm <laughs> smiling too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you travel around, you do your corporate events, you say you get to experiment and stuff. And, and that, and, and I know that's fun, um, but is it a relief to come back home and just work with the tried and true products? And the second part of that question is, they're not obviously almost related, but how long are you cooking your 
say brisket at Big Bob's uh, in your pits? How long is that a process for? Okay. So, yeah, I've got a good mix in my life now. Uh, you know, I have certain events that I absolutely love and cook every year. Uh, you know, I've got the two contests I mentioned. I've got a lot of corporate clients and a lot of corporate gigs that I love to do every year. I do stuff with NASCAR. I do stuff with Kingsford. I've worked with Microsoft in the past. Um, I travel and do really fun gigs. I do a lot of tailgating uh, during college football season. I just signed a deal with Copper Cane, the Napa Valley Vineyard right now, where I'm working with them, matching recipes with their wines. And in conjunction to that, I'll get to travel, uh, you know, to uh, Austin for the Texas-Alabama game and mm. for the Georgia game in Jacksonville and Clemson-NC State game. So we're doing a lot, you know, with tailgates and college football as well. Um, so I've got a great mix in my life. I travel with, uh, you know, fun people and fun places, and I do the only the events that I love to do. If I don't, if I don't love it and where I'm going and who I'm hanging with, I just don't do it. Uh, so I've got a great mix, but it's always great to get back home and, uh, and, you know, you know, do the same old same. get back to the restaurant, check on my, you know, family and friends and, uh, you know, really hang around back around here. As far as brisket goes, second part of the question, uh, we cook our brisket overnight at the restaurants. So uh, we probably get uh, 11 to 12 hours on those, you know, at a low temperature, 200 to 225 degrees. Uh, you know, um, when I cook them in my backyard, I like to increase the temperature a little bit and cook or not, not, I wouldn't say hot and fast, but I like to cook them on 250, 275 degrees. I cut my cook uh, time down a little bit. That's the great thing about barbecue. You can push and pull the cook time. You know, I can cook something at 220, if I cook a pork butt at 225 degrees, I know the bone-in pork butt's gonna get done at 12 hours. But if I increase it to 250 degrees, I can get it done in 10 hours. So a lot depends on my timeline, who I'm feeding, who I'm hanging out with, and what I'm doing. So speaking of Alabama, did Coach uh, Bear Bryant, icon, did he ever come to Big Bob's? Gosh, that's a great question. And I've never <laughs> asked that before. And to my knowledge, he has not. You know, Tuscaloosa, Alabama has a, a famous place there called Dreamland Barbecue. So Dreamland Bar, everybody, when you go to Tuscaloosa on game day, that's what they always used to do. They used to go to Dreamland Barbecue. So uh, so the only barbecue restaurant that I ever heard Coach Brian associated with was Dream, uh, Dreamland in Tuscaloosa. Hmm. Had to ask because, you know, he, wears his, he wore his little check black and white, uh, what do they call it, houndstooth or something, cap all mm -hmm. the time. And so, you know, I'm kind of a college football nut. so I. Uh, I was just uh, question, backing up for a second, when you said you're working with a vineyard in California, have you ever contemplated or are you thinking about incorporating? <laughs> I guess it would be kind of hard, but is uh, using the actual roots from the vineyards to smoke with? I actually have. I actually have used grapevines and things uh, to smoke with and uh, I, start, I sort of fell in love with uh, that area and with wines and barbecue probably 15 years ago. I met a gentleman named Pete Segatio who had Segatio Vineyards in Sonoma County, uh, California. And uh, he was he wanted to get into barbecue. Of course, wine interests me, so it was sort of a mutual thing. And I'd probably 
since probably 15, 20 years ago, I've been going out there about at least once a year, uh, you know, visiting with him, visiting the region. And then so I've met a lot of good friends out there. So through that, absolutely. Uh, you know, I've cooked when we go out there, we play around with all different types of uh, grapevines and things like that. So that's fun. I've I've absolutely done it. And and like I said earlier, one of my passions is uh, recipe development. And I get to do a lot of that in what I do. And uh, so that's my playtime, especially when I go out there matching uh, my flavors with the different flavors of the uh, varietals of grapes out there as well. So, uh, yeah, New Deal with Copper Cane. Uh, they're out of Napa Valley. They have uh, Bowen, Elowen, um, Quilt, and Bell Gloss. So they do a lot of uh, great Pinot Noirs and Cabs and Chardonnays and, and such. So it's been a fun project, and we're rolling out the big uh, – promotional push this well, year. Congratulations on that. Yeah. That's awesome. Can't wait to hear and see. Maybe you do a, a pairing book with wines in your barbecue at some point. It makes sense. Yeah. I will be into it. I know. I that. was going to say I'll pair with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, well, um, we're going to take a break, be back to wrap up the show with Chris Lilly from Big Bob Gibson's Barbecue in Decatur, Texas, right here on Barbecue Nation, right after this. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. This is an encore. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the USA Radio Networks. I'm a little off my game today. I just did a big trade show, so I'm a little rummy. Uh, point being, as I said, Decatur, Texas. And uh, that was kindly pointed out to me by Leanne. And Chris, and uh, I stand corrected. It's Decatur, Alabama, not Decatur, Georgia, not Decatur. What did you say, Chris? Illinois? Yeah. Illinois. Yes. Yeah. So it's the one in Alabama. And so we do have Chris Lilly with us today from Big Bob Gibson's Barbecue. Do you get a kick out of going up and, and like you said, you go to New York, you do the TV shows, you know, the Today Show or Good Morning America or whatever you're doing up there. All three of us have some experience in doing those things, but give us your take on that. You know, it's 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 a fun break and it's it's interesting. I've done enough of those shows. Each one is different on, you know, uh, what they want you to cook and how much time they give you, how much help they give you. Like today's show is, you know, 100 uh, percent union. Great people to work with, um, but I can't even light my own fire. <laughs> so right. it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting. They have the pyrotechnic team that comes out and shows me how to light a grill, which is <laughs> which is, which is pretty funny, but uh, I always love the people. You know, I love the uh, Today Show has the best people back of the house actually helping you with the recipes and doing your prep for you and putting it together. Absolutely the best crew, uh, you know, that you could ever run across. So professional. And so you have less worries when you do that uh, specific show. But, um, you know, it's fun. Those shows are fun. I always enjoy them. Um, you know, I, I love television, not only on air, but I love, uh, you know, production as well that I've had a little taste of that in my life. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, always good to do a little television, sprinkle it in, uh, here and there. It's a great gig if you can get it. That's what they always say. 
Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's, would you describe yourself as a fun guy? I think you're, I think you're fun, but. I would like for, for other people to describe me as a fun guy, but yeah, I try to have a good time. Um, that's part of uh, the world of barbecue. Uh, that's part of being outdoors. That's what barbecue is. It's community. It's sharing with friends and family. It's hanging out by the grill, telling stories. And it's a part of it is being fun. Yeah. You know, I would, I would say if you're not outdoors uh, around the grill, having fun, cutting up, cutting up, it's not really bar. It's not really barbecue. Right. Um, Yeah. You've got so much time on your hands, free time on your, your hands while you're cooking, you got to be doing something. Uh, and fun is absolutely one of those things. Do you get more intense when you go to to Memphis in May or the Royal? I mean, does your demeanor change at least when you're getting started or are you kind of easy going through the whole thing? I am really easy going and, you know, fun loving and uh, and, you know, all about having good time and, and hanging out with friends. But when it comes to competition, at some point during that competition, focus will shift. And I would say that I'm not fun at all. It uh. is on, it is concentrating on, on everything that I'm doing um, to make sure I do it perfectly. So yes, it, it, at some point now at different competitions, you know, that focus shifts at different times, but uh, yes, I'm, I'm 100% focused when I'm cooking competitions. Yes. I know Leanne turns into a terrorist. It's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde for me. You don't want to be around me. (laughs) My daughter protects me. She's like, just stay away from her. (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, So I I tend to more uh, get really quiet and, and yeah, internalize everything and try to make, yeah, to make as good as decisions as I can. I'm definitely less vocal when I'm focused and, Mm -hmm competitions like that. Yeah. When you think about everything you've done in your life and your career and stuff, and we have people listen to this show, Chris, that are, they're comp- some of them are in competition people. Some of them are just weekend warriors. We have a lot of people that tune in um, across the country and then on the podcast versions that are just kind of getting started in barbecue. I would ask you to, the, for the people that are just getting started, Give them a couple of tips. Give them some little advice. Maybe they've already made their grill selection. Maybe they only want to use gas or maybe they're going to use pellets or whatever. But as far as the cooking and stuff, give them a couple of quick tips that they can say, I heard Chris Lilly tell me that. Mm -hmm. Well, sure. Absolutely. So if you're just getting into it, uh, you know, don't think that you need a ten or twenty thousand uh, dollar barbecue rig or pit to cook fantastic barbecue. You can cook world championship barbecue on a small kettle. I mean, you you don't have to have anything big or elaborate. So I would start out small. Start out with a uh, Weber kettle or a Weber Smoky Mountain or even a pellet grill or something like that, where you can learn how to barbecue. And learn when barbecue is done. And you want to learn, you want to learn that first. You don't want to do your research. Uh, you, you don't want to do an injection and a dry rub and three different sauces and two different. You, you want to keep it simple to start with. Okay. Learn how to cook barbecue before you learn how to flavor it. Think of wood as a seasoning as well, especially when starting out, you know. Uh, only the most accomplished pitmasters. I mean, unless you cook with all wood and and you you know you're cooking 
you know, 100% wood. And unless you know what you're doing, you can absolutely make a tragedy out of barbecue with over smoked and bitter. Uh, people that use exclusively wood know what they're doing. So, uh, you know, start with something that's a little bit more manageable. Uh, you know, uh, I would I would say kings for charcoal because you can get, you know, and that's still what I cook on, but it's easy. You get that long, steady cook. Uh, start with pellets, some great pellet grills out there, great uh, uh, pellet brands out there that basically is a set it and forget it. And you can hang on that exact temperature. Um, and, you know, worry less about the temperature than people think. A lot of times, you know, you're used to cooking in the oven, you know, it says, you know, put temperature at 300 degrees, cook for 20 minutes. It's a little less. You, you don't want, you can go by the same guidelines in barbecue, but you can't get freaked out when your, your uh, cooker goes up to 325 or goes down to 250. It'll just take a little bit longer, a little more time or a little less time to cook. You got to learn when to pull it off the grill. One, learn when it's perfectly done. And for that, I would strongly suggest getting an internal digital meat thermometer, okay? That'll tell you exactly when your chicken breast reaches, you know, 160 degrees, you know, so you can pull it off and then it rests up to 165. It'll let you pull your pork chops at 140, 145 degrees, you know, so they don't overcook and dry out. That's the worst people uh, mistake people may make is overcooking their barbecue or undercooking their uh, grilled items. So internal digital meat thermometer, it's instant read. You put it in the piece of meat, it tells you exactly what the internal temperature is, and then you know when to pull it. There you go. Chris, it has been really super to have you on the show today. And uh, we're gonna, we've got a little time, so when we're done here, we can I can ask you these uh, embarrassing uh, <laughs> lightning round questions for the after hours. They're fun. I Trust me on that. They're fun. I wouldn't, I won't do anything to directly embarrass you. Right, Leanne? No comment. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Lilly, um, multi, multi, multi-time world champion, uh, Big Bob Gibson's Barbecue in Decatur, Alabama. We'll be back next week. Leanne and I will with another edition of, uh, what's the show? Oh, yeah, Barbecue Nation. Be kind, everybody. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.